0: So I'm usually fairly decent at um, keeping up with the lingo and things that young people say these days, but I recently learned a phrase that it seems that I sort of missed whenever it became popular, and that phrase is one that I think probably just about anybody here under the age of 30 knows, and it's the phrase of being left on read not re- i see you laugh because you know it not read, red r e d but r e a d what does it mean to be left on read it means when you send a text message to someone and you're able to because of the way your phone is arranged to see that they've read it but they don't respond and you sort of wait there hanging waiting for a response now there could be a number of different reasons that the individual doesn't respond and leaves you on red. One, it's because they're busy. Or maybe they get way too many texts, and by the time they get back to responding to you, they've had 50, and they don't even see your text anymore. That's me. I don't leave anybody on red If I don't respond to you right away or within a couple of days, it's because I've gotten too many texts. However... It can be used in a negative way as a passive aggressive tool to sort of get back at somebody, to manipulate them, to make them feel anxious, very similar to a phenomena that many of you may be familiar with, is ghosting, instead of having to face someone you ghost, you disappear and you leave them sort of anxious because you've dropped out without any explanation. And this causes a lot of anxiety, particularly in the younger generation, the one that sort of grew up solely on text messaging and has not known a world without smartphones. Both of these, being left unread and ghosting, are ways or manifestations of what we commonly call conflict avoidance, conflict avoidance. Now, nobody likes conflict. Nobody likes to be at war with another person. And it's especially bad today, this conflict avoidance, because of cell phones and technology. And again, we have a conflict with someone, we don't have to face them. We can send them a text message, we can leave them a voicemail. We never have to really enter into the conflict. And so what happens is, is it makes us even more resistant to face conflict because media, and the phone, sort of puts a barrier between ourselves and the other individual or individuals with whom we might have a conflict. The fact is, as uncomfortable as conflict is, conflict avoidance is not something Christians do. We don't do that. Now, certainly there are times where we are going to have to avoid conflict because it is the most prudent thing, and nor do we actually seek conflict out. But we can look to Scripture, particularly the New Testament, and particularly the Gospels, to see that Jesus was anything but conflict-avoidant in his own life. And in fact, we can look at Jesus' life in order to see ways that we might better face conflict. And I want to propose some of these derived from the readings we have today, and I think probably from our own experience. The first thing we're going to do in order to truly face conflict and deal with it and not avoid it is to learn to confront, to confront others, not in a hostile way, but in the true meaning of the word. Confront comes from the Latin word con, which means with, and frontim from the root frons, which means forehead. When you confront someone, you go forehead to forehead, eye to eye, face to face. Confronting is looking at somebody face to face, not gossiping, not talking behind their back, but face to face. And this can be very scary, to have to catch the gaze the eyes of another person. A person that you may be in conflict with or is in conflict with you. However, confrontation is the way that we see the Lord work in Scripture. We are in the first reading today, the prophet Moses, who is sent to confront people. The prophet is the one who is there to confront particularly kings and power with the word of God. And so we are called to speak truth to power to confront power particularly when it is being misused to not back away also Jesus what does he do today in the gospel he confronts evil he doesn't run away from the devil we are called to confront evil in our own lives Jesus had no problem with confronting we consistently see it in the way that he deals with the Pharisees never running away, but always confronting their lies. Probably the hardest group of people to confront are our loved ones. Our loved ones, when they hurt us, or potentially we hurt them. Jesus did not fear to confront Peter whenever Peter got out of line. And then Peter had to confront Jesus face-to-face when he apologized to him, and a threefold expression of love on Easter Sunday we confront by going face to face it shows respect that we have for the other person the dignity they have by looking at them and confronting them how do we do it we do it with confidence but we also do it with compassion confidence that we are doing the right thing confidence that we know the Lord is going to back us up and give us the strength to confront our enemies, confront the person who we are in conflict with. That confidence helps to have us, give us the faith in the Lord to overcome whatever fear we might have, to face the fear and confront those we need to confront. But compassion, not in a confrontational attitude, but to be able to, in a non-aggressive way, to be compassionate, to show mercy, to do so in charity, even taking the literal sense of the word compassion, which means to suffer with, willing to suffer with you, to go face to face so we can resolve this issue and not have this conflict among us. But in doing so, we are doing it to bring about reconciliation. For those of you who may remember Sister Miriam's mission last year, she gave us that definition of reconciliation. The root word is cilia, which is Latin for eyelids. We've got to come confront face-to-face, forehead-to-forehead, but in order that we can reconcile, that we can get so close that our eyelids touch the person or the persons that we have a conflict with. They were willing to look at them in the eye. We're willing to talk. We're willing to listen. The road to reconciliation can be a very long one, but we've got to be willing to head down that road to regain that closeness that was lost, or particularly a closeness that may never have been there. This leads to what? Communion. Communion with others. Communion with those that we had conflicts with but we're able to overcome the conflict. In conclusion, if we're going to sort of do this, if we're going to learn to not be conflict avoidant, not leave people on red and do all kinds of other passive aggressive garbage, what is the key for us doing it? The key for us doing it, and I'm going to offer to you from Father Jacques Philippe, you know I like to quote him. And this quote sort of sums it all up. The key to being able to confront and overcome conflict he says humility cannot be manufactured to order can only come as the fruit of a painful confrontation with our own inner poverty and weakness a stripping of all human conceit and the claims of the ego before we can confront others we've got to have that painful confrontation with ourselves with our own sinfulness with our own weakness with our own egotism, in order to admit that we are not God, to be able to grow in the gift of humility. The problem is, if this is true, that it's pride. Pride that stops us from truly facing in a healthy way conflict. We've got to confront our own weakness before we can confront others. And this is the irony of it all. In order for us to admit our own poverty, we've got to be able to look at ourselves. And then, only then, by confronting our weakness, can we be comfortable, that means to have the strength to be able to face conflict, relying on not our own strength, but admitting our weakness and relying on the strength of Jesus. Amen.